All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're watching Oilers Nation every day with Heather Remchuk. Your one-stop shop for all things Oilers. If one eight-game heater solved all of our problems, then what does two eight-game heaters do? Let's get into it with the lead. Bring on Liam. You didn't like that vicious dab? It was a bit a bit aggressive after what right. we saw last night. You're, you got a lot of energy today, Tyler. You got a lot I do. Of I've drank a lot of coffee and I got another one going right now. So I, I could be this hyped up for the entire show. But uh, hey, you got your mug. Look at that. <laughs> it's a good mug. This eight-game winning streak is bananas, Liam. Uh, how could you not be fired up? I know it was a bit of a dull hockey game, but come on. The Oilers are on an eight-game winning streak for the second time this season as they take down the Chicago Blackhawks last night at the United Center. Welcome into Oilers Nation every day. As always, we are live from the Sports Closet studio. Mm-hmm. You can check them out online at sportscloset.ca. Three locations in the Edmonton area, Sherwood Park Mall, St. Albert Mall, Kingsway Mall. But you know that because you've been hearing me say that for the last calendar year plus. Uh, Liam, the Oilers, listen, they didn't exactly... You know, go pedal to the metal and full throttle, whatever you want to say. They didn't pump the Chicago Blackhawks last night, which is kind of what we were expecting. But Mm -hmm. what they did do is get the two points. And at the end of the day, the winning streak's been extended. You got a regulation victory, which helps in the tiebreaker column and all of that stuff. Last night was still a success, even if it wasn't as big of a win or point night or whatever. Yeah, I guess what's the saying? You should never complain about a win. At the end, like they got two points at the end of the day, and that's what matters the most. But it was, uh, was uncharacteristic. I think is fair to say of them. Like it's always a thing that they play down to their opponents, which I don't think is always the case. But last night was just such a weird game. (laughs) Like they got could get no offense going. It just felt like the entire time that Chicago was the one kind of controlling and dictating what was going to happen in the game. But at the end of the day, the Oilers kind of got away with one because Chicago didn't have enough finish on their team to really take advantage of the opportunities that they had. Yeah. And I think there's an interesting angle to that Chicago Blackhawks team that maybe we didn't discuss all that much yesterday on the show, Liam. And it's that when you have a team that is full of American hockey league, NHL bubble players, and they know there are six injuries, and eventually six, five of those guys are coming back into the lineup, 
all those guys are playing for their professional hockey lives, so to speak, you know, right? Like every guy in this lineup is I mean, Sanford, Rem Pitlick, Colin Blackwell. A lot of these guys are on their last legs. If they want to be an NHLer, they need to prove it right now. And that's a Chicago team that had a bunch of guys playing like they knew they're one bad game away from never getting another look in the NHL, if we're being totally honest. So that element of working hard, and, and I think they have a coach that really knows how to motivate them as well. I think there's something to that. So again, I, I know the scoreboard said 2-1, and some people are disappointed. But one, maybe we didn't give enough respect to the fact that that Hawks team works their bags off. And two, let me just chime in with this one from Craig. To be fair, they scored four goals yesterday. They did. They did. And I guess on the Blackhawks thing, ironically, it shows that they have a pretty good culture in Chicago, right? Like if, if yeah. guys are all going to put the all on the line for them and they had a big win against Calgary and then we're pretty close to being Edmondson. But yeah, you wonder what would have happened if those uh, other two goals would have gone in. Well, evidently it would have been four one, but specifically the one that was never challenged. I'm, I'm curious how the game would have kind of tilted after that one. And that too, right? Like if the Hyman goal, if, if he keeps his feet a couple inches more forward, because his feet were in the crease there. I didn't have a huge problem with the first disallowed goal on uh, on Zach Hyman here. Um, but I, I had a massive problem with it. Really? You didn't like this call? No, like I, you know, from a ref's perspective, sure. Like I see that right there. But when the shot is made, he is not in the crease. He is out of the crease. And Mrazek is right at the top of the crease. If anything, like, Maraz, and I know it's his pain and all that, but Marazic comes out and makes the contact with Hyman. And there's two things to this. One, Chris Knobloch should have challenged this. I think that you you run the risk of it going to a possible penalty, knowing what Chicago have to offer on the power play. It's not that high of a risk. But two, like I didn't really notice this, but I I did it on uh, on Kevin Carris this morning. He mentioned it. He's like, there wasn't a lot of time to actually challenge it. It felt like considering the amount of time Chicago had later on in the game to challenge what they wanted to challenge. This one felt a little bit weird, but I, I would have challenged this one. And I feel like there's been a, there's been two occasions now. The first one, I can't remember what game it was, but it was a, it was a goalie interference. It might've been Tampa. It was the Tampa Bay game. I'm pretty sure that was never challenged. And it, it was a goal for Tampa Bay. And now there's this one. It just seems interesting that, Chris Knobloch, it doesn't have quite of that trigger finger yet. Yeah, maybe. See, and I, I just see, I see enough contact here, enough contact here. And again, it looks like Hyman's left skate is in the crease. And that's what's causing the contact with the blocker side. And the puck goes in on the blocker side. So I don't know, man. I, I feel like if that happened to the Oilers and Stuart Skinner was rubbed that way. And then again, a shot beats him right where the contact is like right here. Right. Like, I don't but know. he's out of the crease right there. No, I, he's not. He is. Oh man. <laughs> it is. I hey, don't get me wrong. It is very, very, very close. And it is on the line, but the way that the NHL is called with the rule book, not being black and white, which they found out at the end of the game, you have to run the risk and, and get it because Chicago is right there to take this game. And like I said, because they couldn't put the puck in the net numerous times on wide open occasions, that's the only reason the others won. I think you've got to run the risk and challenge that. Ultimately, it doesn't matter because they won the game. But if that's a tighter, if that's a, not, I can't even say tighter game because it was, but I feel like that should have been one. <laughs> oh, can't hear you, Tyler. Uh oh, we have lost Tyler. Will I have no, to? No, I'm back. I'm back. I accidentally nudged the mute button. Ew. I, I, he's out of the crease, right on the edge. But Mrazek was ready for the save, unimpeded. Again, I know I am fighting a losing battle here because <laughs> I am doing an Oilers show and all of that. But again, like that's in the crease, in the crease, in the crease there. And I know it's clouded because Mrazek's reaching over, trying to see around him. But and Joel says agree with the mute button. I don't know, guys. I'm just saying this one wasn't egregious. It, it's 50-50. I'm, I'm saying I'm okay. Maybe he should have challenged it because the penalty power play on the Hawks sucks. Um, I I have, I'm just, there's okay, just one other angle I want to see. Aaron, if you're able to somehow get it to where it shows kind of the behind the net and McDavid goes to shoot, 
I'd like to just see where Hyman is on that. Cause it looks like he's out of the crease there. And to Mrazic's credit too, I think he had a pretty heads up play of actually moving himself forward in the crease. Like, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's so tight. Like I would have challenged it. Not happy that Knobloch didn't challenge it. Another layer to this too is they have a new video staff. So maybe they're a little bit, there you go. Yeah. So that's kind of the angle. You can see he's, he doesn't look like he's in the crease. But you know I mean? Liam's, Okay, but part of the problem here is, again, and Tyson, I think Tyson, in a weird way, you're making my point for me here. Tyler, that's not even the rule. The rule isn't about in the crease or not. It's 100% reliant on contact with the goalie. And what we see here is contact with the goalie. And the shot, when it's made, you can say Hyman's not in the crease. But then Morazic needs to move to his right to make a block or save, and he can't because Hyman's there. So I, I think Hyman impeded his ability to make the save. I it's maybe, such a maybe. fine line and i like this one yeah. from philip who says what you guys are proving right now is how hard the job is for the situation room especially with multiple people making the decision listen do you guys have do you guys know how many parlays i got cooked on last night because the Me oilers too. didn't cover the gd puck line i'm pissed i would have loved for that goal to count it i would have loved for chris knobloch to challenge it be, get rolled the dice i know someone said it's a tie game played safe i'd roll the dice i would have rolled the dice and challenged it Go, sam squatch goalie made contact with hyman that depends on how you want to look at it, man. Exactly. And if that was, if if that was Stuart Skinner moving to the top of his crease, you would probably all be sitting here in the chat going, "That's his movement. He has to get to the top of the crease to stop a shot from the point, like he does." Like Tyson says, "Where else is Hyman supposed to go? He is a Blackhawk player as close to him as he is to the goalie, preventing him from going anywhere." The onus is a little bit on you as a forward when you go hard to the net. I don't know, like. I I guess my fi- my final point on it because I can't. Uh, there's another one to discuss later on. Yeah, there is, but, but the rule book should be black and white. If contact should is be. made, and if it's, for example, in this case, I think Morazic made contact with Hyman, not necessarily the other way around. So that needs to be labeled within the rule book of being like the goalie made contact with him, or you could go to international rules where it's like you just can't go in the blue paint. Yeah. Right. Like the, maybe that's the easiest way to do it, but it's just like, holy smokes. Like how is this rule book so hard to understand? Yeah. Naeem is in and says Oilers allergic to scoring in an empty net to <laughs> puck line, dude. And then last game against Ottawa, my parlay was Oilers to win McDavid two plus points and McDavid missed an open net to get his second point of the game. Live it. I'm absolutely livid. Uh, anyways, but let's keep moving along with the show. We could sit here and debate goalie interference all day because I think one thing we'd all agree on is, like you said, Liam, the rule book isn't clear. The rule book is not good. This goalie interference thing has been a problem in the NHL for a decade plus, and they still have not figured it out. So, and Tyson, I think you're bang on 100%. You, I think you sent this as I'm making my point. The fact that none of us can agree on whether or not that was a good call or not is the real problem with the NHL rule book. And JBD says, well, let's debate <laughs> offsides then. So yeah, giddy up as I get a call from a spam number, decline. Um, let's get into our Alberta Blue Cross moment of the game. It's brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross and their travel interns. Visit ab.bluecross.ca slash travel for more information. Maybe you want to get in on the nation vacation, which is also presented by Alberta Blue Cross. You can do so February 18th to 20th. You see the price on your screen based on double occupancy. We're also offering a flightless option for $999. Nation vacations are a guaranteed good time, and they're brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Oh, baby, this offside goal was something, Liam. First off, uh, there's so many ways to get to it. <clears throat> Let's start, you know what? Let's start with Connor McDavid. Can we get Connor McDavid's comments? Let's run this. Opinion on the dry side one that all similar. What did you think about it? I, I do. I mean, obviously, if it takes you 15 minutes to to determine if it's offside or not, um, it probably doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> you know, um, you know. I talked to the linesman after. Ultimately, it's not a, not their call. I guess. You know, obviously, they said it came down from the league, but you know. You zoom in, you zoom in, you keep zooming in until you can't zoom in anymore, and I guess it's offside. So, um, you know what? Um, so these these are calls that uh, you know change games, and ultimately it didn't go our way. You know that was a big call. Um, it would have really really hurt them, and um, I thought it should have been onside. I mean, it's kind of possession too, right? Like the argument of possession. Um, that whole debate can start again. Um, you know, it was such a close one. You'd like to see it. You know, I, I think the NHL uses the analogy 
dead wrong, right? They, you know, if it's if it's dead wrong or something like that, I don't know what they say. Like they want it to be clear and obvious, right? Um, that one's certainly not clear and obvious. Well, there you have it. <laughs> First off, can we just say I love <laughs> final buzzer? What does he mean? It doesn't really matter. Damn it, Connor! Some of us had the puck line. You son of a gun. <laughs> Also, I love that he's okay coming out and saying this now. I think we're starting to see this a little bit with Connor, that he's comfortable with who he is in front of the media, and he's not at the point, and he's comfortable enough in the league where he's not afraid to ruffle some feathers and say something like this. Because I think the Connor McDavid of even three years ago probably comes out and says, you know, the review guys have a tough job and blah, 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 blah. Although it did remind me of that moment when he told the ref to check upstairs after a shootout goal. That was hilarious. But I love that Connor McDavid came out and said this and, and really spoke his mind on it. And what he said at the beginning where you zoom in and you zoom in until you can't zoom in anymore. I think there it's a de- delicate balance here for a couple of reasons. One, you've opened up the Pandora's box of reviews. And you're at a point where all the camera angles do exist. And if you were to walk backwards on this now and say, we're not reviewing offsides anymore, we're not reviewing this or that, or we're putting a time limit on reviews or something like that, then I think you'll get to a point where instead of having viral conversations like we are today, where it's, oh, why is this review taking so long, whatever, you're going to have moments where Hawks fans would be sitting there going, if the NHL still reviewed calls like this, the, the right call would have been made. You know what I mean? Like you've opened up this door now where you can't go back. This is This is the world now. This is the league. These reviews are going to keep happening and they're not going anywhere. At the same time, the spirit of the offside rule was to stop the egregious offsides. I shouldn't even say offsides. The egregious offside, like what happened with Matt Duchesne in that playoff game, where a goal is immediately scored, linesman couldn't get into position fast enough, and whatever. We've lost the plot, is my point. And I think what we should do with offsides is it should be very, very simple. You should go, and they should be allowed to watch it in real time, three to five times from the overhead angle or the side angle. And if you can't determine it in those three to five watches at full speed, then guess what? It didn't matter in terms of impacting the goal. If it's not so egregious that you cannot bing, see it on one of your first watches from one of those two camera angles, then count the goal because it didn't matter. Why is the league actively trying so hard to take offense off the board? It makes no sense to me. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think someone someone tweeted last night, I can't remember it was, but the NHL took away the best play of the game yesterday and not hockey game. They took away the, the best moment for, for Oilers fans and, and one that would have secured the win. Ultimately they won, but it's just like what is it? Like, do you what do the players have to have full control of the puck? Like, what is possession? Because to me, like these are the best players in the world and they know exactly what they're doing pretty much at every single moment. Like he knows that he he is in control of that puck. He has the possession. If they check it down for for zone time, they're gonna give Leon Drysaddle the zone time on the stats there. So, just very confusing. Um, I think the again the rule book needs to be black and white. Or if you can't figure it out, like you said, then it's clearly the wrong call. And the the thing that's crazy to me is the fact that they called it a good goal on the ice, and then somehow found enough evidence from what they saw in these replays where. You really had no idea to overturn the goal on the ice it is is remarkable, really. Yeah. So again, if you want to argue possession, and this angle doesn't, sh- this angle kind of does show it, but the other angle I thought showed it better. You don't think Leon Drysaddle is intentionally kicking that puck over to himself, like like you yeah. said, Liam, one of the best players in the world. All the guys in the NHL are the best hockey players in the world. You're gonna tell me that kick right there is not him getting it, like passing the puck to himself. Possession. I I don't know. I, I think that was a, an incredibly dumb decision by the league. And also, if you have to watch it for that long, it's inconclusive. How many times do we see replays where they come out and they go, not the call on the ice is confirmed, the call on the ice stands. That, that right there is the difference. The call on the ice stands is, we don't have enough evidence to overturn this, so we're trusting the officials on this one and what they saw in real time. And in this one, clear cut the ref did not think it was an egregious offside in the moment it took you however many minutes to figure out that it wasn't offside and here we are like at the end of the day it, it wasn't the biggest deal in terms of the outcome of the game and that's what Connor mcdavid meant by that 
But if this happens in a playoff game, like, oh, maybe it did in the Western Conference Finals a couple years ago, and they still get it wrong, like, that's what's annoying to me. So the argument about possession over the blue line drives me bananas. The fact that you can sit and review and review and review and review, and then still, when I, I sat through the whole review, I watched the 38 replays Sportsnet put out there, and I still sat there and went, ooh, this could honestly go either way. Then what are we doing here, right? Another thing is, too, and I'm going to sound like an absolute degenerate, me saying this, but the NHL promotes sports gambling on every single game that they broadcast. Even if they don't broadcast, I bet there's some form of gambling advertisement within the facility that you're watching a hockey game in. And they're literally taking that stuff away, too. And it's just like, it's a small layer of it, but it's another layer of it, too. Like, you have to get to the point where you understand your own rule book. And I, I guess my question to you, Tyler, is what do you think the offside rule should be? For me, I think you either have to go in two directions. One, it has to be clear cut as you need to have possession with the puck on your stick across the line, or you need to kind of have the, okay, he's under control of the puck. One of those two. It can't be both. I th- I would el- I would almost eliminate you can't entirely eliminate the possession layer of it because then a guy carrying in the puck but like the puck needs to go in before both your skates I, I think mm-hmm. if you do that and you eliminate the possession wording like again why does that exist because 15 years ago Rick Nash skated into the offensive zone backwards stick handling the puck and it's like oh well that's possession he should be allowed to enter like no both your skates or one of your skates needs to enter after the puck does. I think if you do that, it cleans all this up, doesn't it? Then that goal on Dreisaitl is offside and the goal on Kale McCarr is offside as well. And there's no more debate. Possession is just, it's such a gray area. Like, again, I think Leon Dreisaitl intentionally kicking the puck from his skate to his stick is possessing the puck. That is him gaining possession of the puck as he crosses the blue line. So... I think if you remove the possession wording, you've eliminated the gray area entirely. And does it result in less goals? I guess a few. We have two examples now over the last couple of seasons. But I also just think that sitting there and going for offside reviews, you need to watch it in real time. You watch it three to five times. If you don't have a clear cut call, the call on the ice stands. There you go. I I like this one. Throw throw an atlas. Where'd it go? Having the puck under control of the player moving forward into the zone. I feel like that's a very easy way to understand the rule. But again, that that's just that creates such a gray area because did Dreisaitl possess the puck? I think you could also make an argument that it's not on his stick. He hasn't made a hockey move with it on his stick. That's not possession. But if he's if the puck is ahead of him and he's breaking into the zone, that is possession. <laughs> like exactly See, this is exactly the the, the problem is there is no correct answer. The rule is almost too complicated where you're right. You probably just have to go straight to the point of the player has to have control of the puck on his stick moving into the zone. Puck has to enter the zone before feet, I guess. Yeah, and, and I also, not to push back on you too hard on this, I don't like the gambling thing either. I, I think that even when it comes to injuries and stuff, I know people are always doing that, but like as much as we can sit here and be like, there's gambling and you know, that offside review cost the Oilers a goal. And that if you're sitting there and if you're someone, and there are probably a lot of people out there who bet Chicago Blackhawks plus one and a half, you're kicking your feet up and laughing, right? Like, I don't know. I, I always think even with injury reporting, like we get a ton of stuff in the NFL and that's always considered the crown jewel of the betting leagues. We get a ton of players. Cole Komet a couple of weeks ago was active, played like one snap. That was it. And people threw a fit and it's like, I don't know if you're gambling, you're doing exactly that you're gambling. So I don't think they owe it to the people who bet on this sport like me to change their game or change reporting or the rules just to make the people who wager on the sport happy. I don't think you need to do that. But they're, I guess to close this out, maybe, but they're just not calling the rules. Like it's different because you don't know the rules in the NFL. That is like a team decision. That's not on the league. But these teams are literally taking like they're they don't even know their own rules. Or maybe they do, and maybe we don't know the rules. I don't know. It's it's an interesting debate, but I think it actually matters because you're promoting it so much that you need to make the right calls. I like this one from Davin. Captains should play blackjack to figure out the call. Yes. More gambling. Why not? Rock, pa- rock paper scissors. 
I'm in. Um, <laughs> Elias, if there was a challenge, our enforcer fights theirs. Whoever wins gets the call. Have like a boxing score thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Listen, you're never going to get everyone on the same page with this stuff, especially the goalie interference on the offside one. I think if you eliminate the wording of having possession and just say you must, the puck must enter before your last skate, this whole thing's cleared up and the dry settle thing's a non-conversation and the kill McCarr thing's a non-conversation. The idea that possession exists is whatever. The other thing, I have one more offside thing about it. And Lance just reminded me because he said, let's ask Frank. Frank said they should put a clock on it where if the goal doesn't happen within 15 to 20 seconds of the offside play or of coming into the zone, then you can't review it. I think that just opens up a whole nother can of worms where there will be a goal that is scored 20.04 seconds after you entered the zone and they'll go, can't review it because it's after 20 seconds and it's like, okay, so 19.6 seconds and 20.4 seconds. Like that's enough to change the offside impacting and not impacting the call. I think that just adds another really annoying wrinkle to it. Yeah, I don't think you can do that to it, but I, I asked in the chat to, I believe the NBA does a time limit on their reviews, but they've kind of just had that in from the start, I believe, or at least the last few years, whatever it may be. So I don't know. It's, it's tough to put a clock on it because you also want the right decision to be made. But again, the frustrating part is nobody really knows what the right decision is. Somebody put in the chat to who is making the calls. It's not the refs on the ice. I don't think I believe it's Toronto. It's a decision room. Yeah. The refs sit and watch on the iPad, but the decision room's in their ears the whole time. So, which is weird that they do that. If they have, they must have some input on the call, right? I think they're explaining what they saw. The refs. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Lance also does make a good point. If I can't explain what's happening on the TV to my wife, how could a new fan? How could you explain it to new fans? And I think like that. I understand that too. Like you need to you need to make it easy for new fans to understand. That's also such a nuanced part of the game that doesn't happen night after night. Like I I I even think again just to tie this back to the NFL, and I'm sure you could give me an NBA example. There, try explaining to a new NFL fan what a football play is when a player fumbles and they're reviewing if he had possession or not. Like what's a football play? That's the same thing as trying to argue, okay, what's possession of the mm. puck? It's just when you have these things that can be interpreted interpreted in different ways, I don't know. Um, we got a comment here. Tyler had a good point about impact of the game. Offside is to protect carry picking. So if it's within, within a meter of the blue line versus at the hash, it matters. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, hey, there's a lot of people who think get rid of the blue lines, that they're not even needed at this point anymore. And I think they're, it, it's insane to try and imagine the sport without it but hey i i think if you got rid of the blue lines i'm not sure how much different the game would even look yeah i don't know i don't know yeah i don't think that would be cherry picking i don't think you can i don't think you can cherry pick there's too much defense has to be played to be cherry picking yeah players are too good to just be like hey we're gonna send a guy to the far blue line or i mean down to the other goal line and we're going to play a four on five the other side, right? Like, I just don't think so. Um, Anyways. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's keep moving along with the show. That was our moment of the game for Alberta Blue Cross. We were worried about having enough to talk about. We spent 27 minutes talking about two goals that didn't count. <laughs> Beautiful was, stuff. Edmonton Oilers hockey, baby. <laughs> yeah, we have we have our intern Eli starting with us today. This is Broadcasting 101. <laughs> Just drag out the conversation, kill the clock. Uh, 27 minutes on 28 minutes now on two goals that didn't count. Uh, okay, let's move along. Let's talk about some other stuff here. First off, everyone go vote for Zach Hyman in the All-Star game. Today on Twitter is 2X the votes day. You know Leafs fans are going to be pushing for their guys hard. So you got to fight back as an Oilers fan. Go retweet absolutely everything you can, including our show previews, which I think we included the hashtag in as well. So uh, go retweet everything Oilers Nation has because we're putting the hashtag on it all to try get Zach Hyman into the All-Star game. Um, yeah, there you go. The Oilers have won eight in a row, Liam. If you look at the standings in the Pacific Division and you consider the fact, I know Vegas got a win the other night, but LA lost in overtime their last time out. They're now 3-4-3 three, and three in their last mm-hmm. 10 games, Liam. They've lost six consecutive games, but just managed to pick up a point in one of them. Now the Oilers are same amount of games played only four back of the LA Kings with three head to head games to go as well. You go two of three in those head to heads catching the LA Kings is incredibly plausible. Yeah. And I think when you look at the the January schedule they have coming up, which we've talked about this week, I believe it was, they've got have a ton of winnable games and just got to get a couple of them and stay hot, right? They can, if they can get to 10 in a row, which is very possible here going into the, and then going into the Toronto game with some momentum, like they really could win out the rest of this month, which would definitely help them catch the LA Kings. Like it's, I don't know if it's a high possibility. They would have to play a lot better than they did last night, but it's right within their own reach to, to then to be able to go and do that. And plus you have two games against LA in February, I believe it is. Yeah, so February, the schedule actually gets tough. But as you see, first off, we have been correct in our prediction so far. But mm. I think we had the Detroit game as a letdown, Liam. I think that was the one we had as a letdown. And I think after watching last night, I think that might stand, unfortunately. Yeah, and Rob is in on the YouTube and says, can't play like that against any better team and win. And I, and I think I do agree with you on that. Before we move along and get to some more of your takes over in the YouTube chat, I do need to tell you, that our YouTube chat is now brought to you by Booster Juice, January 19th to the 21st. It's the Jasper Pond Hockey Tournament. And we got to give a special shout out to our friends at Tourism Jasper. And it's all presented by Booster Juice. Space is very limited, so you can head to chehockey.com to register now. I'm going to be playing in it. Team Oilers Nation is brought to you and powered by Booster Juice. Visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or, or download their new Booster app or Booster Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy. Shout out to Booster Juice. Shout out to Tourism Jasper. Uh, let's dig into a little bit more of what you guys are saying in the chat. Rusty says he stands, or he says, I still think winning the division is possible. Lance says we're winning the division, and I stand with Rick. Dr. Carpy says we're catching LA. Uh, Maynard, our loser point total is concerning. We haven't played in that many overtime games, though, right? Like, we have three. Yeah, the Oilers have 21 wins, and 19 of them have come in regulation or overtime. So they've won twice in a shootout and lost once in overtime as well. So they've only gone to shootout at overtime three or four times this season. So is it concerning? I I don't know. Um, I think the fact that they win most of the games in extra time makes it not concerning. Yeah, so I think they went... Winnipeg was the first one, and then they went in against Seattle and won. And then they yep. beat the Kings in the shootout. So there's your three, if I'm if I'm correct. But yep. I mean, I, I I don't really root for loser points. I root for the two the two points that gets you the the win in the wing column. So it's really whatever. The other thing is the Oilers haven't played in a lot of one goal games so far this season. Uh, they have six wins by one goal so far this season and losses by one goal. I think they only have three. Yeah, so they've only played in nine one-goal games this season, which is wild. The Oilers, uh, they are fourth in the league in three-goal wins at 13. So again, when they've been good, there's a gap between them and whoever they're playing. They've been a very good team when it comes to making sure it's not tight down the stretch. And I know last night, 
obviously was uh, was the exception to that. It was a one goal game against the Chicago Blackhawks of all teams, but still, uh, Andrew is in and says NHL needs to adopt the PWHL rules for wins and losses. What is that? Uh, they're doing the three two one zero. Uh, and Mark asked it too. I'd like to see where we'd be at if it was the three two one zero point system. Um, I'm not sure exactly how much it would change the Oilers standing. So again, I mentioned that they had, if they were to do like two points. So for people who don't know the three, two, one, zero thing has it into four categories. You get three points for a regulation win, two points for an overtime or shootout win, one point for an overtime or shootout loss, zero points for a regulation loss. It basically makes it so that every single game has three points on the line and it's split up different ways. So if that was the case, I mean, the Oilers wouldn't change that much. They do have 18 regulation wins, which is the same as LA, one more than Vegas, and actually eight less than the Vancouver Canucks, which is surprising. So the standings wouldn't change all that much if they went with that system. Uh, but the LA Kings have scooped up six or six more loser points than the Oilers this season. So interesting enough, uh, lots of good stuff happening over on the Booster Juice YouTube chat. Um, Brett is in and says Chikrin has a very team friendly cap hit for two years. A nurse Chikrin pair, nasty. Chikrin's a lefty though, so I don't think you really want to touch that. Is he a lefty? I thought he was a righty. I think he might be a righty, Tyler. Am I wrong? I don't know. I'm I'm very I'm rarely checking. right. I'm very Tyler, right. Tyler he, should, no, he shoots left. Tyler said oh. he's played right D all year, basically. <laughs> I don't know. I'd rather yeah. have the righty on that side, make things easier. Yeah, I think I would prefer a righty as well. And that's not to say I I dislike Jacob Chikrin. I really like Jacob Chikrin. I really like that contract as well. Two more or one more season at 4.6 million is Chick. He's also got a modified no trade clause. Player submits a 10 team no trade list. So what are the odds that Edmonton is is on that list? Probably a pretty good chance Edmonton's on that list when we consider how how uh, picky he was with his last trading uh, situation out of Arizona. And yeah, Mulek, he'd be an upgrade on CC, 100%. Like, I, I'm not even, you can't make an argument. Um, but how do you make that money work too? Because, you know, Ottawa obviously can't retain, would it likely wouldn't want to retain on a $4.6 million hit. So I don't know. Uh, Liam, is your mic broken? It fell out, fell out of the slot. Well, we're locked back in now, I think. There we go. There you go. Don't mind me. Uh, yeah, I like Chikrin, but I don't know if he's a great fit. I think he'll have a hell of a time. <laughs> Bag milk is in the chat. The mic arms never work. Yes, they do. Damn it. My mic arms working just fine. <laughs> Look at that. It moves around. I just accidentally mute myself a lot. Um, yeah, I don't mind Chikrin, but I think it's just too hard to acquire him. Uh, we'll get into some trade talk in a little bit, but first let's dig into. We play Liam's game. We play your Let's give it a game? go. All right. Liam's mystery player game today is brought to you by Star Mechanical, Edmonton's number one plumbing and heating company. You can find out more by visiting them online at starmechanical.ca. And when you see a Star Mechanical vehicle cruising around Edmonton, wave and say thank you for everything you do for us. Um, anyways, you. Liam's mystery player game. If you have not played it before, here is how it works. We have two players. Liam, I should say, has two players. First one is an easy one. He gives you the clues. You guess in the chat. If you're the first one right, you go into a draw. The second one is the tough player one. Mm -hmm. If you get that one right, the first three people go into a draw. We spin the wheel. Someone goes home with $25 to nationgear.ca. So Liam, with all that said, let's play Liam's mystery player game. Let's give it a go. Okay, so the first one. You got it, Aaron? Okay, this is the easy one. Played 160 games, all with Edmonton. I am a defenseman. I am a former third-round pick. I almost had 200 penalty minutes in one season. One year, I also played in the ECHL, AHL, and the NHL. There you go. And all these players, if you haven't played, have played from 2000 to today. Not for that long, because that would be nuts. Wise Kyle says Vinny D. He was a later round pick. Owen says Slater Cuckoo. He was a first round pick. Mm -hmm. Ooh. 
Wheel Ooh, that's a good, uh, Jason Strudwick played with like five different teams, so it wouldn't be him. Sean Bell played with a bunch of different teams, and he was a first-round pick. Um, oh man, I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna give you my guess, Liam. Okay, this is the easy one. Hey. Oh yeah, there you go. You got it. All right. Oh, so we gotta wait. Oh now. yeah, a bunch of people are getting it. So who's yeah, the first one here? Oh, BM. Well, BM can't win $25 <laughs> to Nation Gear. Sorry, big guy. Uh, uh, yeah, Naeem. Teddy Peckman. There you go. Yeah, let me Naeem's name going in the, in the draw. draw. Has Naeem been in the draw before? I can't remember. I don't know if he's won or if he's gotten into the final round yet. Bag Milk said it was obvious. Put me in the draw. Sorry, big guy. There's no way. We can't swing it. Corporate <laughs> wouldn't Google allow it. <laughs> okay. So the second one. Here we go. I played almost a thousand games in the NHL. My career high is 46 points. I am a former first round pick. Two of the four teams I played for are original six teams. I spent four years in Edmonton. Hmm. This one, this one's tricky. I didn't actually know this guy played for the others. I have to be completely honest. And it was after 2000. Yes. He's not Jordan Evelyn. Okay. No, wouldn't be Gilbert. You already Brule. done Gilbert Brule, not Gilbert Brule. I spent four seasons in Edmonton, eh? Hmm. Boy, yep. that's gonna be a. This is a tough one, man. <laughs> I'm just gonna like go yeah. back and a random year and and start to look through some players. Oh, what do you no, mind? Point. Two of the four teams are original six teams. Yeah. So, uh, uh, that, wow. Fuck. Nobody in the chat yet. Not Cam Talbot, not Brule, not Russell, not Pouliot, not Doug Harvey, not Cogliano, not Ilbert Peter Nedved's Brule. career high was way more than 46 points. Not Torres. No one said it. Not Mike Green. Torres, Torres didn't cross off enough of the uh, original six teams. I need to look at the clues again here. My career high is 46. I'm a former first-round pick. I spent four seasons in Edmonton. And the fact that you're saying you forgot who it was, I didn't forget. I didn't know. No, you didn't know. Okay, sorry. Um, but they played four years in Edmonton, Liam. Almost a thousand games takes goalies out of the mix because no one's even getting close to that. Um, Matt, you have done. My yeah. arm's just totally broken. There it is. Ah, well, no. we'll fix that later. No, not Garen. Liam would have known Bill Garen. <laughs> Someone says Duncan Keith. Um, not Lucci. It's not Garen. Not Jeff Petrie. Potty. You would have known. You would have known Andrew Ferentz was an Oiler. Yeah. No, I knew. I'm familiar with Andrew Ferentz's game. So. The fact you're saying their career highs 40 some points, but they still almost played a thousand games. That's really pulling me hard to the defenseman side of things. I'll give you another clue. He okay. was a forward. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Let me double check. I'm pretty sure that was his career. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really hope you're right on these facts that you give us. Hmm. Yep. 46. The crazy part was. So he was drafted in the late nineties, but his career high didn't come until 2012. I wonder if he got his career high with the Oilers. Nope. Cause they had no one that year who uh, was in that range or had that many points. Boy, Liam, you are, uh, you are quite the trickster here. Has anyone I, gotten it in the chat? Uh, I haven't seen it actually. <laughs> okay. I, um, I'll get, should I give you another ooh, clue? Ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, I got it. I got it. Let's go. Yeah. You got it? Oh, man. This is a good one. I'm going to put it in our private chat. Okay. That's that's totally it. That is the one. The I've seen it once in our chat so yeah. far. Um, uh, I'll give it. it. Oh, I got it twice. I got two here. Two people have gotten it. Two now? Yeah. Dua Lipa. Yeah, Dua Lipa. Where's the <laughs> other one? Oh, there it is. K 
Okay, just so we can get a third person in here, the two the two original six teams he played for were Chicago and Detroit. There's our third. Okay, there you go. It was Dan Cleary. Oh. That was Eric. Yeah, Brad. So is, is, Brad, you just missed it. You were so close. Yeah. So it was uh, Philip Shaw, Ryan Devine, and who was the last one? Sorry, Darian. Oh, Darian. All right, there you go. So the three of you are in a draw along with Naeem. That was a good one. That was a really good one. That took us so long to figure out. Also, okay. someone. Oh, spin the wheel. Let's go, Liam. There's your wheel. Da, da, da. Come on, big money, big money, big money. Land on. Oh, there you have it, folks. Darian is the winner. Well done. The last guess wins it all. You can email Tyler at the Nation Network. Yeah, okay. Tyler at the Nation Network.com. Darian, shoot me an email. I'll get you uh, hooked up with that. Uh, Tyler Mulek said he did not play a thousand games. Flash up the clues again. The clue was played almost, almost. a thousand played games. Two. I think he played 938. What year did he play in Edmonton? He played from so, the 1999 season to 2004, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. I had no idea that he was he was an oiler. He was also, so if you want a little interesting factoid, he was traded from the Chicago Blackhawks along with Ethan Morrow, Chad Kilger, mm-hmm. And Christian LaFame in exchange for Dean McCammon, Boris Miranov, and some other guy I don't know. So he was a part of a pretty interesting trade in Oilers history as well. So he uh, two time two time Stanley Cup champion, I think. Maybe one. Uh, oh one man, he won. I think he won a handful with the wings. Yeah. Decent little player. I like to go to have a, almost a thousand games and to have a career high of 46 points, which came in 2011, I believe it was. Kind of, kind of a crazy career, to be honest. Yeah, someone said it took so long people had time to Google it. I mean, the thing with this game <laughs> is you can't just directly Google any of those, right? Yeah. Like that doesn't really work that well. So that's why it's a fun game, Liam. Uh, let's keep mm-hmm. cruising along on today's show and get to our Sherwood Ford giant question for today. Brought to you by Sherwood Ford and their fantastic mobile service van and their entire service department. One of the many perks of using Sherwood Ford as your dealership next time you need a new whip you also get sure bucks which liam and i are big fans of liam mm-hmm. uh luke gazdick was throwing this question today on dfo live i'm gonna float it your way and the way of the booster juice youtube chat rank the top four canadian teams in order of who has the best chance of winning a stanley cup actually you know what we'll do because listen we all know where the oilers are going to stand in this take the oilers out of it vancouver winnipeg toronto rank those three well Edmonton wasn't going to be my number one. Who was? So, Winnipeg. Okay. I was going to have Winnipeg, Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto. Vancouver. Or sorry, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto? Solely because of their goaltending. I think your goalies can win you some rounds, right? Like... I think Stuart Skinner has been unbelievable recently, so maybe the others can elevate up there sooner rather than later, but the others haven't beaten Vancouver this season, and when they beat Winnipeg, it was a tight, tight game. So I think the top three are actually all relatively close. I think Toronto and Edmonton, though, maybe hold the third and fourth spots because they have to do so many upgrades to the lineup still. Yeah, a lot of people are saying Winnipeg number one. I think... I. I agree. I think Winnipeg's one just because of Hellebuck. Um, the other thing, though, Liam, and the interesting part in all this, and the reason why I think I'll agree with someone like Craig in the chat, I think I go Toronto too, just because of how much easier the East looks right now. Like if yeah, Toronto, uh, if Toronto can get themselves in a spot where they avoid Florida in round one, I mean, I, I don't, they could beat Florida too. What? Who are we kidding? But if they can get themselves in a spot where like. Maybe they even fall into a wild card or whatever. I think the East is way more wide open than the West this year. So if you want to talk about going on a run, like these teams in the West might just beat the ever-living hell out of each other. East might be a little bit easier to cruise through. Like you might get a gravy matchup in the second round. What did Luke say? Luke said the same as you. I think he he went Winnipeg, Van, Toronto, and uh, he had Edmonton, or sorry, he had Edmonton three, Toronto four. 
Yeah, I, I liked Frank's point on the rundown the other day where he said that Toronto needs like two defensemen before they can truly be like a legit cup yeah. contender. And their their goaltending like has been good. You probably all saw the stat the other day. If they took out all their bad goalie games, they would actually be the best in the league, which is crazy to think about if you if you really put your mind to it. But do you really believe in like Martin Jones and what's his name, Joseph Wall in like a playoff series when you have to play against Bobrovsky, Swayman or Olmark or Vasilevsky? Like I just don't see Toronto being able to outduel any of those teams. That's a fair point. Their goaltending is a major, major concern. But I mean, we've seen Bobrovsky play like a pumpkin for long, long stretches, yeah. right? So anyways, uh, Mulek said Edmonton, Toronto, Stanley Cup final. That would be unreal. Uh, bag milk, flush that back up. Oilers one, Crusaders two, Oilers Nation, Pond Doggy team three. Cannot wait for the Pond Doggy tournament. Uh, there's your Sherwood Ford giant question. Um, Reagan says, I'm with you, Tyler. The biggest risk, but the biggest reward is beating <coughs> TO. Yes, sir. I like that point from Mulek. Uh, okay, moving along. Let's get to something new we're going to be doing on the show a couple of times a week. It's the rumor roundup for. Ooh. Spinning cat, Liam. We are under two months away from the NHL trade deadline. You know we all love a good amount of rumor talk, so why not dig into things for our friends at Finning Cat? Improve productivity and efficiency with equipment you can rely on. Go to Finning.com and check out their extensive inventory of new used and rental equipment to find the right solution to meet your unique needs. Invest in the future of your business and check out the latest at Finning.com. Our boy Bob Stoffer had some interesting comments the other day. He said the Oilers could be looking at Philly or Ottawa as potential options for help in the top six. So with that being said, let's pull up those two teams and see what we can get. And Liam, the obvious one when you look at the Philadelphia Flyers is Travis Konechny, right? We're looking yeah. at a guy who's got one more year at $5.5 million, a cap hit that would be very easy for the Oilers to fit in with some retained money or with a contract going out the other way. They can make Travis Konechny happen. I should say both those things, a contract and retain money. They could make Travis Konechny happen. My thing with that, if they're in a playoff spot, I don't think Philly's trading them. Yeah, I think Philly would have to, to fall off quite a bit. But I mean, who wouldn't love a guy like Travis Konechny? He's, he'd be a perfect perfect piece to the puzzle there. I think he, he looks like he's a great leader from, from the outside, scores a ton of goals, very scrappy, like kind of a fearless player, right? He's almost what the Oilers wanted Yamamoto to be. I think that's probably a decent comparison, isn't it? So I like that one a lot, but may I, may I float a name your way? And this is, let me make sure I got my facts straight here. Do you remember last year when the Oilers were, uh, there was that rumor that the Oilers have traded for Dominic Kubalik. Yes. And now he's on the Ottawa Senators and he has one year left. Like, I don't know if he's necessarily like the target. He has, he's 2.5 million until the end of the season. But could you not just see them grabbing someone like that instead of like a Travis Connect? I feel like I'm just saying that because they have had links to him before. How's Kubalik doing this year? He's uh, interesting. And, and like you said, we know the Oilers have had interest in him at different points. Uh, he's got nine goals in 36 games. So interesting. Um, there's a Golden little bit of production Brown. there. Yeah, six foot two, 190 pounds. The fact that you could get him retained and it would be 1.25 million, that makes him a target without a doubt. I think he can play both wings. So there's a little bit of versatility there. Um, it, a lot of people are bringing up Tarasenko, who, again, has a no-trade clause. But if you sit there and go to Tarasenko in the final few months of his contract and say, you are a UFA again in a couple of months, you should probably go try to prove yourself in another playoff run. He might wave to come to Edmonton to play with one of their stars. And getting him retained down to $2.5 million would be really, really good. Um, I'm open to either Kubelik or Tarasenko. I know Mulek the other day in the chat brought up the idea of if, if Ottawa is going to act all crazy and they're looking to make some sweeping changes and rattle up that core a little bit, what if you could get your hands on Drake Batherson? Mm, that would be that would be a nice little addition. It? What's, what's his situation right now? So Drake Batherson so far this season, having a decent run, 14 goals in 36 games. So he's scoring at basically a 30 goal pace for the Sens. And he's got three more years at $4.97 million. So again, making the money work this season 
tough, but you send Fogel out. Oh man, how else do you make that money work though? Hey, that's tough. It would yeah, it would be, require them having Jack Campbell leave the organization in some way. Either you can LTIR Jack Campbell for the full year, which would be the dream, or for the rest of the season, or you find a taker for Jack Campbell. But if you can move on from Campbell and you have the money to go give up a pile of stuff for a guy like Drake Batherson, you do it because that's a guy who's in your top six for the next five seasons. Yeah, you de- you definitely do. So here's a look at the lineup right now for Ottawa. So Tarasenko and Kubalik are both third line players for them. And people keep saying in the chat, Tyler, you need to go and get a bona fide like second line player to play with Drysad and all of that. And I agree to an extent, but also if you kind of have four wingers, you could maybe rotate through, like give you a little bit of something different. Like so, you have McLeod. Fogel, Kane, and blank, whoever it may be, right? I think that's also a, a good recipe for success too, to to throw a variety of weapons, but then also you need a third line center to go in there as well. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, Tyler Mulek said Michael McLeod at 3C. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I like Kevin Hayes. What do you think of Kevin Hayes? Okay, now that's another really interesting yeah, one. We interesting. know Ottawa's apparently, or sorry, uh, Colorado's apparently interested in Kevin Hayes, the Blues. He is on Frank Cervalli's trade targets board. Kevin Hayes has two more seasons at $3.5 million. <clears throat> If the Blues are willing to keep half of that money for the rest of his contract, they're Ooh. going to get a lot for him. And the Oilers should honestly be interested in paying it. He can score, he can kill, he does a lot of things well. Veteran presence, why not? I think he'd be good. Like uh, by the sounds of things I've read, uh, I've read on Twitter and other articles, he's like pretty decent defensive guy too. Like he would fill such a huge hole on that third line, and God forbid anything happens, you can elevate him into your top six too. If you ever needed a second line center, right? Like I think yeah. that is the guy they have to go and find. And the fact you could get him for two years at what would it be like one seven five or something like that, right? Yeah, that would be. Unbelievable. And I, I would honestly pay whatever it took. Because Three if you do that too, yeah. sorry, if you do that too, you probably still have enough to go and get something else. Three names. Dave said Gensel. Love the fit. Don't see how the Oilers could could squeeze in Jake Gensel. Sebastian said, how about Stamkos? Why would Tampa trade him? Yes. They're trying to win another Stanley Cup. Uh, Adarath said, here's a name, Jared Spurgeon. He said Minnesota would have to retain. I think that right there kills the conversation. They would have to retain so much for the Oilers to be able to afford them that there's just no way that Minnesota would do that. Also, he's their captain. They're trying to make the playoffs. So I don't see any of those guys as realistic possibilities. I want to flow something to you, Tyler. And call me crazy if you like. Yeah. Can this can this team go into the playoffs with this blue line and be fine? I think they probably can be. Right, they, it it has to stay healthy. So I think if yes. they're going to go into this stretch with the blue line as it's currently constructed, you need to add a depth piece. You need to add a a Nick Sealer to come be your seven D or something like that. Remember last year, right? There were moments where it it was the moment was too big for Vinny. He couldn't keep yep. up. They had to give him nights hmm. off. They were going seven D men, which I don't think Knobloch likes doing. You need to go get a veteran right handed defenseman. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I do think that would... I think you have to add a couple of forwards before you add a defenseman, no? You need to do both, is what you need to do. <laughs> Which is tough. Tough. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Last one on the rumor roundup. Uh, Matt Larkin, not Frank Saravalli, Brett, chill. Matt Larkin had an article where he had Chris Tanev as a potential ad for the Oilers. They were one of the seven teams he said would make sense. Yeah. It would make a lot of sense to go get Chris Tanev. What would the Flames want? I mean, listen, if they're sitting there trying to burn the Oilers on this trade and they really don't feel good about helping Edmonton potentially win a Stanley Cup, then you get Philip Broberg in a pick. And you sit there and go, yeah, we'll give you Tanev, but we're going to make you, the Edmonton Oilers, run the risk of trading us a guy who could be in our top four for a decade. Not that I think he is or will, but I'm just saying if you're the Flames, that's what you do, right? Yeah, I, I have a hard time seeing Calgary making trades of us as much as I would like a, a Tanev or a Lindholm or whoever it may be. Like by Calgary trading those guys, they're basically telling their fans that we're going into a rebuild or a retool, as teams phrase it now, to give him to Edmonton to go and try and win a Stanley Cup. That would be 
the biggest kick in the nuts ever. Yeah. All right. We're going to do this kind of every couple of shows leading up to the deadline where we break down some rumors from around the league. You have a lot to say about it. I know, but we're running towards the end of the show. We got to keep moving on. I think it was Davin who said, give me the Wendy's picks. I nailed mine yesterday on the Wendy's daily face-off survivor game. Liam, are you still alive? No, you're out. Uh, I've no, Hey, no, I am. I'm living to Vita Loca. I, uh, I had Quinn Hughes on day one and uh, then I, I had, would. I had Tage Thompson last night. I don't know if he did anything. No, I forgot to look. Oh, let's have a peek. Oh, Buffalo only scored two goals. Did Tage Thompson get anything? Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Damn, I'm in. Uh, Rusty rode with me last night. I had uh, Sam Reinhardt under half an assist. Uh, here are the picks. It is not for tonight, though. Can we go full screen on this bad boy? It's not for tonight. It is for tomorrow. Um, so here are your options. I don't, I might just take the Rangers over 33 and a half shots. I don't like anything else on this list. Maybe Kempe to get an assist. I'd have to look into it more. I'll give you my pick tomorrow. What I do know though, you can make a good pick by heading to Wendy's for lunch and picking up the bacon portobello mushroom ba- melt. It is back and only back for a limited time. So order it today at Wendy's or by using the Wendy's app and picking up some rewards points as well. Uh, the menu for our friends at DoorDash today, Liam, it's a quiet one. Go spend time with your families, everybody. Not a lot in terms of an NHL schedule. No NFL games. NBA, I think, is even pretty quiet this evening. We don't have any other... Uh, better late than never. There we go. Bag there Milk go. usually drops a new episode on Wednesday, so you can scoop that up. Frank has an exclusive sit-down with Sam Reinhart going up at Daily Faceoff or, fine frankly speaking, wherever you get your podcast from. So there's your menu for tonight. There's... Uh, you forgot the biggest game in town, Tyler. Do the, the Sherwood Park Crusaders head across the city to face the Spruce Grove Saints at the Grand Fury Arena. So if you're looking for a little hockey fix, you can head out to Spruce Grove. The tickets are like 15 bucks. How, how are the Saints doing this year? Not as good as they usually do, but they're a, a little bit of a younger of a team. But Sherwood Park and Spruce Grove is always a, always a doozy. There you go. Uh, the menu is delivered by DoorDash. For a limited time, our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and use the promo code NATION25. It's getting cold. I am not leaving my house nearly as much. That's why I rely on DoorDash, my go-to for getting deliver- delicious food delivered right to my door when I'm sitting there in a nice cozy sweater grinding out my Madden franchise. And uh, <laughs> I don't have time to cook, Liam. I'm trying to win Super Bowls. How many of you won? Just one. It took me five years. I We've been joking about this in our group chat for the show the last little bit. I've had my Madden franchise with the Bills. I don't sim a single game. I play every single game every year. I finally won the Super Bowl in 2028. It was a big moment. I might mix in a game after. I think I have uh, I think I think the Dallas Cowboys up, but I had to rage quit last night. I was telling you and Aaron because yeah. uh, Jared Goff went to throw the ball. No one around him fumbled which turned into a, a defensive touchdown so i just turned off my xbox and went to bed smart man smart man uh there you go the menu for our friends at doordash wrapping up the show with my betway bets for the day uh shot prop parlay brock faber has been murdering his shot prop morgan frost has hit it in four out of five Play them together. It's plus one fifty nine on Betway nineteen plus. Please play responsibly. Uh, anything you anything you like on uh, on that front? Uh, no, I I nothing really for me tonight. Crusaders money line, but um, the, the Canada. No, don't bet on junior hockey, folks. Uh, Canada made me laugh <laughs> just after you made your N- uh, Madden comment saying that's just so much time to play Madden. <laughs> okay. So one second here. Let me explain myself. I only play offense. I don't play defense. So I sim all the defensive snaps. All I do is play as the Bills offense. So a game actually only takes me like 10 to 15 minutes to play. And we had time off over Christmas. What the hell was I supposed to do? If you stay up, my girlfriend likes going to bed early. So when she goes to bed at like nine o'clock over Christmas break and I can sit there until two in the morning and grind through like two seasons of Madden, you, you get a lot done. And it's the only way he'll ever see the bills win a Super Bowl. So you got to let him have his fix. You. <laughs> a jerk thing to say. <laughs> okay. Uh, Frank Saravalli's on the show tomorrow. 
So we'll be doing that. We'll be talking about the trade targets. And before Frank hops on, I think we'll go through the list ourselves, Liam, and say if there's anyone, uh, anyone that you like from Frank's trade targets list. And also it's a short for giant game day edition of the show as well. So Edmonton's taking on Detroit, looking for a ninth straight dub. Mulek says, ask Frank, Frank about Perry. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Braden says, but well, you've been playing 10 to 15 minute games for five years. There's only 18 games in an NFL season plus playoffs. So like, it doesn't take me that long. I know. Yeah. Okay. It kind of does. Whatever. <laughs> it's Christmas. Let him play. Yeah. Your toy. All right. That is a, uh, that's a wrap on today's edition of the show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube. If you haven't already hit the like button and vote Zach Hyman. For the All-Star Game, go to your Twitter right now. Retweet five things that involve hashtag Zach Hyman NHL All-Star Game. Go get it done. Uh, That is a wrap. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk again tomorrow. Farewell. Thank you for watching Oilers Nation every day. Hit the subscribe button to never miss a show. And for more, visit OilersNation.com.